Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Radamik Bertolis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We're going to have a great show for you today. Let's go ahead and get busy. We have a great interview with Alison, Alison Gaines today, and I don't want to start Alison Gaines until all the people get back here. So let's go ahead and, and do one of the, the first videos that I want to do, and that is with Andrea Mitchell. So we're going to do Andrea Mitchell, and after we do Andrea Mitchell, I'll go ahead and start with, with, um, with your, your points, Rudnin. So let's go ahead and get Andrea Mitchell out of the way. I'm not sure what got into Andrea Mitchell today, but I want you to listen to uh, this sort of a dismissal of a statement the president made about uh, about opening the the, res the oil reserves around the world to reduce the cost of gas. Check out how she describes this, and we'll take it on the other side. Well, I, th I do think that taking credit for any re reduction in gas prices uh, uh, based on what he did with the Strategic Petroleum Reserve is uh, a little bit, let's say, fictitious. Uh, it was more to do, I think, with Saudi Arabia and OPEC leaders deciding to pump more gas and a couple of other factors. Guess what? They're not mutually exclusive. It is true that Saudi Arabia increasing the amount of gas they put out drops the, the price of oil, right? Of course it does. But to just dismiss that the president went around the world, he didn't go ahead and say, I am opening the strategic reserve in America alone and in that way to reduce the price of gas because we uh, the price of oil because we know the price of oil is fungible it is something traded on the international market so whatever the price is reflected in the united states actually has a measure over the entire world right but what the president did by coordinating ensuring that it's not only the american federal uh, uh, strategic reserve is open but throughout the world several other strategic reserves are open it means it gave leeway it, put, it reduced price pressures for a while, and Saudi Arabia doesn't want to lose any price in power or price pressures. So what they're going to do is they're going to say, you know what, we better go ahead and ship more oil because they may start going to ulterior uh, to other issues to other measures to further depress the price of oil, which may be more long-lasting. The fact that the president was able to act on the strategic reserve, not only in the United States, but throughout the world, was a psychological push for Saudi Arabia to move those prices. And that you cannot, that she, I don't think there was enough critical thinking in that thought is a process. But here's the worst part about that type of statement. You try to neuter the president, a, a, a respected journalist neuters the president and further affects the poll numbers on something not based on fact, reality, or any, anything of that nature. I, I, I think these, these hosts, when they're going to give certain types of opinions, they should actually try thinking in more levels of indirection that will kind of expand on how the world really works. Let's go ahead and talk about what Michael Rodnin discovered today. Uh, let me get to the appropriate screen. All right, primeramente, 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 he starts. Not true. Sanders counters Manchin's bogus inflation argument against Build Back Better. Senator Bernie Sanders pointed out that unlike bloated military budget that Manchin recently voted for, the reconciliation bill is funded by tax hikes on the wealthy. Gotta love Bernie. He keeps the fight going. That is so true. And again, we have to understand that it's not inflationary. 
if you are taking a, what what it is, you know, it would have been more effective if they had said it's redistributionary because that's what it is. We're redistributing is what's, what, what occurs there. And we're redistributing in such a manner that you get more economic activity because if you go ahead and put the money in the hands of people who don't normally have a lot, you get more economic activity. All right, second one, uh, Rodney says, don't cross the picket line. Apple workers organize Christmas Eve walkout. I hope this strike leads to the creation of a union. Corporations need to treat their workers better in all regards. Estoy contigo. I'm absolutely with you, my brother. NASA's James Webb Space Telescope is about to launch and provide a new look at space. James Webb Space Telescope launch has brought new technology to Earth and will give humanity a new view of space up to the foundation of the universe. I've been looking forward to this for, for months. The launch date being pushed back over and over again. We're soon going to see the universe in a brand new light. What is interesting, and a lot of people don't realize it, right? You're looking back into the past. So when some of that stuff that we're going to see, it's going to be billions of years old, right? So we're just getting the light now, but we are getting it. And we get a chance to see, see how far back things go. So... Anyhow, that, that should be a lot of fun. Um, you know, I, I, will, I would want to be the scientist responsible for making sure that sucker gets in space at the right time because it's very critical. Um, that, that part of the technology that's going to open those, um, those fan gates, etc. If something goes bad, they have ways to jar it, but if something goes bad, ugh, lost $4.5 billion. Judge tosses $4.5 billion Purdue former settlement over Cycler family. Uh, production cyclers can't get off with slap on the wrist fine that amounts a fraction of profits after being personally responsible for tens of thousands of debts. You know, I talk about the wealthy a lot, right, and how they get away with things. You know, I mean, we take a look at the petty criminal. And we look at the petty criminal that, that goes ahead and he steals something or he shoots somebody, which is a bad thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm not justifying that at all. But when we look at the Sackler families, and you take a look at the records that they have out, you know, the mails, the emails, and so forth, these guys actively knew that their drugs killed. And to them it was, eh, no big deal. These are people taking the drugs on their own, so eh, let them die. But we can make a lot of profit. And you know we make even more profit? If we say, unlike other opioids, our drugs are not addictive, when we know it's a lie. It's a shame. These guys don't need to be, you know, they're being judged civilly. I, I would like to see the prosecutor that's going to get the pelotas to call them out criminally and call them not only accessory to murder, but to actually make them murderers because that is what they are. Paul Fleming watching from ATL AVQ. Carl Foster, I want to get rid of my left wave friends. Carl, why would you want to get rid of your left friend, but I see you here all the time? I thought you love us. You're here all the time, Carl. You got to love us. Otherwise, why would you tolerate us this way? We love you. Intermittent freezing? Yeah, yeah, I think that's gone. That's old. That's old. I think I got all of yours, Rudnan. Uh, let's see what else we got here. We've got uh, May Wood. Hello from Long Beach, California. Welcome. Hello, my May. May, I got your, your text yesterday. I got your text yesterday. Not text. I think it was a little message. And I replied, Egberto, if it bleeds, it leads. Local crime stories get more press than corporate malfeasance that kill, steal, and harm. 
orders of magnitude more than all petty crime combined. And you know what? Uh, Yvette Avery Herod, welcome to PDR. Let me tell you what, uh, Michael. That can occur because we haven't made the correlation and we haven't changed it. We have to be the ones making that change. They are not going to change that. We have to force these, even local stations, to do better. That's what we have to do. But anyhow, I'm going to take this time now and start our interview with the one and only Miss Gaines. She has a lot to say. I mean, you know, we, we have a lot of friends that are maybe racist, sexist, homophobes, all that good stuff. She has sort of the anecdote for that. So what I want to do is I'm gonna I think I'm gonna play her um, her interview first, and after we do her interview, I have another video that I prepared that I want you to take a look at. But let's go ahead and start with Sister Alison. Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Right. I'm Egberto Willis, your host. Today we have a repeat guest, but one who wrote an article that you know what's proposed. So. Alison Gain is a writer, editor, and activist scholar who believes the pen is mightier than the sword. She calls herself on her Twitter page a womanist wife. I told you guys about that before. We didn't talk about that before, but we'll do it. Alison is the founder of WEOC Woke. Not the woke you're thinking about, but writers and founders of color. Thank you so kindly for Given this impromptu interview, Alison, thank you so kindly. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you today? I am doing great. You know, I was uh, thinking about what I'm going to do for my show. I just got through doing the KPFT show, and I said, you know, uh, today is Christmas Eve. First of all, happy holidays. Happy holidays to you. You know, and then I said, uh, th then your article popped up on Medium, right? My Medium, you're one of my favorite authors and uh, authors on Medium, and it popped up. And I read the title, Step-by-Step -step Guide to Ditching Your Racist Relatives and Friends. And I said, oh, that's kind of catchy. Let me see what Allison is talking about. <laughs> and I mean, I read it and I'm like, hmm, let, me, let me get in touch with her. So tell me a little bit, what got you to write in that article, first of all? Well, I know that a lot of people are going home for the holidays and that um, a lot of us have, uh, especially in America right now, people are very divided. And there's a lot of things we're divided about. But one of the things I always draw the line at is racism or discrimination. I feel that we can agree to disagree, but not about human rights. So given that, I wanted to engage in a conversation with other people who felt the same way and maybe who just needed some guidance on how do I go about cutting these people off? And, you know, I, I loved it. But um, you, you start out by saying um, you want to make sure you identify people who are your racist relatives and friends. How exactly do you do that? So that comes from just, a, it's a self-reflective exercise. So what I'm really asking them to do is reflect about the people in their life and if there are, because there may not be, if there are racist friends and relatives, write them down and start thinking about why do you personally think that they're racist because you wrote them on the list. And then you can start having a discussion about how that, um, you know, kind of diverges from your values. But first you have to identify them because otherwise you're shooting in the dark. Right. Well, let, let me tell you the, the part that really got to me. Um, you, you, your second point, you said, are your racist relatives, friends and reformable? And the reason I, that got to me and the reason that was, actually it's the reason that I really wanted to do this interview because I consider myself 
a reformed former sexist, a reformed former uh, 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 homophobic person. And if, if, if people, if, if my great uh, friends had just thrown me away, the great women in my life had just said, you are this SOB that came from that part of the world that is really sexist, I would be in trouble. And likewise, if uh, my friends that are uh, gay did the same to me, I would be in trouble, but I learned. And when I saw that piece, I said, ah, you're always leaving that door open to say, unlearn the bad things that you learn. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so that part I feel like is really important because I didn't want people to write down the names and just say, you're out of here. I wanted them to really think about, are these people reformable? You know, and, and only they would know that. But the reason why we have to leave that door open is because it allows people to kind of learn and grow. Um, when we set our boundaries, that's our way of encouraging them to do better. But we don't want to give up on people that, that could be saved. And I think that as long as we keep that open door, it like it opens the possibility for change. And I feel like that is beautiful and it's worth preserving. Now, um, what does reform really entail? Because I'm, I'm going to tell you a little story and you tell me, uh, you know, when and I, I always use a story about uh, when I knew I honestly was no longer a homophobe, when I knew mentally that being homophobic was wrong. I could, it was, it was a mental thing. It was a, it was a intellectual thing, but I really knew I got over my prejudice and this is going to sound corny. I know, but I got over my prejudice when uh, I saw two men kissing and it did absolutely nothing to me. I mean, I'm going to sound terrible. Two women kissing somehow never did anything. That's probably the, the red, that's probably the, the old sexist portion about me that, that still need reforming. But when it came to men, then I said, wow, I'm honestly, doesn't matter. How do we know when somebody has fulfilled reform? Or is it that as long as you know they're on the path to reform? I feel like the path for on uh, to reform should be acknowledged. But I feel like what it's individual case studies. So mm -hmm. each individual will be different. Because like, say one person, they're like, well, I don't consider myself a ra racist, but I'm against voting rights. Mm -hmm. And maybe they don't understand how that is, is a racist policy perspective. Them changing that mind would be a sign of their reform. For other people, it could be something a lot more deep-seated. Like maybe they don't want their daughter to date a Black man. And, that, and, and reforming would mean changing that. So I feel like reform is definitely different for each person. But like when you write down on the list, like why are they racist? Them reforming that aspect would be the good sign to me. I want to explore something you just said. You said like somebody who has a daughter and the daughter uh, is dating a black guy and they don't want that. Uh, there are several reasons. Maybe they, they don't want to have to go through the conflict with the rest of the family. Uh, maybe they really like the guy. Maybe can they be, let me put it this way. Can they be not racist and still just because they don't want the conflict, not want the daughter to go out with somebody of a different race or something it, de it depends on the motivation if the person um is not a good guy to date and he just happens to be black that's not racist mm -hmm. but if your reason for not wanting him to date your daughter is because he's black and you tend to think of black men as bad then that is racist it really just goes to motive mm -hmm. now let me let me tell you some something that um that 
I've always had an issue with or a problem with, and it goes, uh, can black people or people of color be racist? No, and I know it's a controversial topic, but the reason why is because racism requires a system of power. So black people are capable of bias, prejudice and discrimination, but not racism. Now, hypothetically, Black people are, but in order for that to happen, we'd have to be in either an equal society or a society where Black people were dominating, and they would have to use that power, um, that discrimination would have to be empowered. See, racism is about power dynamics, you know, so to me, that's the key thing. Okay, uh, so I, I guess in, in my sense, I had never defined racist solely as a power dynamic, but also as, you know, as, as you just not liking somebody of another race, but you're saying it's a lot more complex than that. The word racism is different than the word prejudice based on race. Exactly. And I'm, I study discrimination and bias. So um, I think it's important for us to distinguish with bias, which is you have a preference, um, discrimination, which is you don't like a certain group. And so you're behaving in a certain way consistent with that bias. Um, prejudice is when you um, when you prejudge someone um, because of their race or their group. But racism, racism in, embodies prejudice, discrimination and bias, because without without a system of power, um, racist, the word racism loses all, loses all its meaning. Um, we should never support just people being discriminatory towards one another, but it is probably problematic when um, white people or other people insist that black people could be racist in a system of white supremacy. And well, let me ask you, given that you had added the power dynamics, is that simply a simple power dynamic, potential power dy dynamics or otherwise? Because let, let's give an example. A poor race, and I, I, I know the answer to this, but I, I want to explore it with you. Um, a poor white person in Appalachia who has all, you know, has no power, whatever. Can that person be racist? Yes, because it's not their personal power. So let's be clear, it's their societal power. So when he goes into a, a police department, for example, and he is shown preference, he is benefiting from white privilege. Being an impoverished white person doesn't mean that you're not benefiting from white privilege. Um, and that means you are capable of racism in this system. For example, a poor white woman can call the police on a poor black man. And if she is believed over him, then she is abusing her white privilege. Um, and so power dynamics is not just about our personal power. It's about the systemic power because white people don't ask for this power. They have it. And so it's all about how will they choose to use it. And that's what defines whether or not they are racist. Yeah, I think I, I think a lot of the issue right there then is um, who, how and who defines what racism means. And I think uh, that is probably something that has to be made clear. We have to get a common definition of what racism is if all of us are going to look at it the same. Because I, in a, with everything that you've said, right? If I speak to uh, some of my, let's say, white friends, uh, they and, and say uh, race, I, I can I cannot be racist. They'll say, "Well, can it be possible that a black person just not like white people?" And my answer to that is yes. Is yes, that and that is that's bigoted. Okay. That's bias. That's prejudice. I feel like it's nothing wrong with calling us out when we do wrong. If we're being discriminatory towards white people, then that's fine. Let's talk about it. But let's not conflate it with racism because it's rather childish. And it, it just shows to not it shows a lack of understanding of the constructs that we're really talking about. Well, let me let me just let me just be 
be frank. And, and that's why I'm glad that you, you made all the different connections between the racism, prejudice, bias, et cetera, because in a simplistic manner, and I must confess to several times looking at it from a simplistic point of view, and just, you know, uh, because I'll be, I, I, sometimes it even, I, I, I would say, no, I mean, I, I, have, I have relatives who are simply, I would have called them racist. Now I think I'm educated in such a manner that uh, I should probably redefine how I say those things. Exactly. And I think that that's kind of what needs to uh, change is the way that we have this conversation, because we certainly, the, the goal of anti-racism um, is not to make white people feel bad. It's about awareness. It's about making them aware of the imbalance in power and that abusing that power is, is racist. Um, and so what we should do is we should pursue equality so that we never live in a society where white people are discriminatory, which they have been for hundreds of years through policies, or that any other group, even Black people, would, would, would exercise that. As long as our, we focus on equality, then I think that we could correct or, um, you know, circumvent the power dynamics. Now, the next argument, um, does this article cover um, your, your Black prejudice brother who hates white people as well? I feel like it does. It wasn't written for that specifically, but anybody who is who is uh, discriminatory um, or, or has hate for a specific group, I think that this would be a good way to get them out of your life and to, to realign your inner circle around those who share your values. I think it'll lead to more enriching life. Numero tres says, Plan how to cut racist relatives and friends out of your life. How do you plan that? So you plan by really thinking about, first and foremost, in what ways do you connect with the person? So I use uh, the racist uncle because a lot of people use that as like, uh, because it makes us feel more comfortable. It's a little removed, but not too far removed. So if we talk about the racist uncle and the racist uncle comes to dinner often, then the only way we can cut that person off is by is really communicating but I want that to be done. And in the article, I kind of express it, like do it in a respectful way. So you want to plan what you'll say to them and you want to respectfully listen and let them know that the door is always open, but that you cannot accept the racism. And that's why the first uh, couple of steps are important because you want to write down, well, why do you think they're racist? Because if you haven't thought about it up to this point, then you're not really prepared to cut them off because you really don't know why you're doing it. What's interesting is, is you, you kind of open a door here. We're saying how that you identify who are racist. But what happens if you yourself are maybe racist? But that's why in the beginning of the article, it says, well, do you, you know, you have to be a type of person who is against discrimination and bias and prejudice. So, and, and it also says, if you don't, if you're not there yet, then you're not ready. Then these, these steps are a little too advanced. And what you should do is you should reflect by listening and reading about the lived experiences of Black people, people of color, and anybody who's been discriminated against, bullied, that sort of thing will help them. And then once you have those values, then you could proceed through the steps. Numero cuatro y el último, the fourth and last, debriefing after making cuts to your roster. I mean, that is so to the point, you know? Because, you know, by me studying psychology, I care about mental health. And I realized that 
just because someone is racist doesn't mean that person didn't add value to your life in a number of ways and it's going to be difficult it's not easy and so I wanted that person to reflect about you know what did that mean to cut them off how did that make them feel and to talk to their support system of people who do share the same values and also to find solace in the fact that you left the door open that you're not just saying, never go away, get away. You're just saying, not until you, you know, get this together and then we can come together, you know? You know, Alison, um, I, I love the article. Uh, again, like I said, especially from that, 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 that part that you actually allow folks to redeem themselves. I mean, it was, a, it, it was a an article on racism, but it was also, to me, it spoke to me, an article on all the other isms that, that, um, that are out there. So that's one of the reasons that I loved your article. And um, I, I, again, I think if we had more people uh, explaining things the way you do, uh, you know, uh, fearlessly doing it, I think it would make a bigger change in our society. So I think everybody needs to get on to Medium, look up Alison Gaines. I'll have a link to her channel or, or, or her, her articles here because I think you have a lot to offer to the space and to teach. I can tell you right now that I, just in this one interview, I've learned. So thank you so kindly. Thank Alison you. Gaines, writer, editor, and activist scholar for having been on Politics Done Right. Thank you. Bye, everyone. All right, folks, I hope you enjoyed that. Let me let me take, uh, Bruce had something incitive to say. Let me go ahead and bring up what Bruce had to say and see if I understand what he said. He says, when she says victims of racism can't be racist, she might be wrong. We have heard people on your show talk of racism between people in a race who are not exactly the same color or from different places. Exactly. You're talking about color is what's known as colorization. Let me, let me just put it this way. Um, when people talk about racism, and this is what I said, I, when I, when I told her, I learned from uh, you know, I try, I try to make sure and learn from every interview that I do as well. And the point that a lot of, a lot of activists doing race is racism activism, that there's a particular group of folks that that is, that is what they do. That's what they write. Those are the things that they do. And what she's actually saying is the, the word racism comes with power. Notice that she said black folks can be prejudiced, biased, bigoted, all those other things. But she's saying to be racist comes with power. And if you look up the definition of racism, that is, that is sort of what it implies, getting power. I, I did it after I spoke to her. Now, here's the issue, though. And here's, here's where I'm going to talk about the, the way that it came across to Bruce. It doesn't, the technicalities in the average society doesn't really matter, right? And I think I'm going to bring on Alison to, to talk about that where we look at, it doesn't matter that E is equal to MC squared if nobody understands what E, M, and C are, right? And what that means is, when, if we're talking about racism, and if people only think about racism based on colorization, then what Bruce says makes a lot of sense, right, Bruce? Because you're going to say, well, come on now. We have light-skinned black folk that are racist against dark-skinned black folk, and we have white people that are that were racist against uh, white people from uh, Ireland, etc., etc. There are all these dynamics that are out there, and believe it or not, after she talks about racism in that context, I think it's better for that dynamic, right? Because you, I think you've just made the point 
the fact that there can be prejudice uh, between people of different colorization types says it all. That's why you want to have a fixed definition. Now, let me back up. That said, if I go to Timbuktu and I say, I start talking about racism, uh, let's say, Egberto, can you put this Dear White People meme on the screen? Rodney, you know, you always make me do this stuff. Race, I, I can't put it on the screen because I'm having issues with this particular computer. But what I'll do, actually, I may be able to do a trick here. Uh, racism describes a systemic advantage based on race. Black people can't be racist since we don't stand to benefit from such a system. Oh, wow. Rudnin? Uh, that, that, that is a definition I've always gotten. But what I like about what Allison said is she just came out and said no. But anyway, I get your point. And, and, and that, is, that, that is correct what, um, what, what he had to say there. All right, let's go back to see. Puffin says, white supremacy is a common enemy. Trumpism is the enemy. <laughs> we have uh, AVQ says, DMAS suck up. Check your computer for viruses. Okay. Infected fourth spam bot today. Oh, you got a spam bot? No, actually, that is not my computer. The spam bot is coming from, from um, YouTube. And they eventually take out VOR.NGO and so forth gets take, taken out. All right, let's see what else we got here. I'm going up now from the bottom up. Puffin says, thanks, Allison. Try The Art of Betrayal by God and the Book of Judas. Cheryl Ann Barrel Artist says, a great conversation. Thank you. Thank you for being here, Cheryl. I appreciate you. Uh, we also have, I think you're new. Ralph Benji, which is who is also new, your dreams online. No, I think you're trying to bring porn to my feed. Uh, let's continue. Uh, let's see what we got here. Puffin. Puffin has been active. Man in the mirror. Listen to MJ. <laughs> Michael Jackson. All right, Bruce. Um, I want you to reply to what I just said. Um, let's see. Yeah, there's a lot of spammers today, more than usual. Yeah. You know, I guess it's, it's, it's Christmas Eve, so people are probably home at this time. Okay, what else have I got here? Okay. Uh, the, the other comments are right in the vicinity, but here's what I want to do now. Because this is important. I want you all to sleep on this over the Christmas holiday. Enjoy the good food and do all the good things that you normally do. But before you do that, well, actually, it's time for me to tell you, hey, folks, please click that join button if you're on YouTube. Uh, because what we need from you is your support. So click that join button and become a part of the PDR Posse. Likewise, please go to politicsandright.com support to support the program. That's all I'm going to do for that for today. It's kind of late. We got a late start, so I don't have time to do that. But let's go ahead and play this other video. I want you to listen to this guy in detail. He pretty much tells us why COVID is here to stay. And it has little to do with science. I want you guys to check this out. We'll take it on the other side. The testing is still such a big issue. And this is something the Biden administration promised from the get-go. They were going to get testing up to speed. And yet it, it hasn't been um, up to speed. It's not up to speed, maybe because vaccinations were ongoing and it seemed like the waves were under control. That being said, um, it's still not there. So what's going on with these at-home tests? Why can you get them all over the world in bulk and you can't get them here? 
Well, the distinction here, Katie, is the difference between a nationalized healthcare system and one that is based on the pursuit of profit. I mean, we have here a system that was supposed to be built around market demand, right? And so, as you mentioned, when we got focused on vaccinations, then suddenly testing capacity went down. But first, let me just show you the benchmark against which experts say we should be comparing ourselves. I want to show you a couple of numbers here. At the uh, the beginning of the pandemic, experts basically said we were, are going to need 20 million daily tests in order to remobilize the economy. That's about a sixth of the nation on a daily basis. But even at the very peak of testing, when we were flat out a year ago, we only really got to about 2.2 million a day. Right now, we're looking at an average of about 1.5 million a day, just a small fraction of that benchmark number. And so how are we going to fill that gap? Well, some people are hoping that the 11 makers of at-home tests plus the private providers of lab tests might be able to fill the gap. But they are also flat out right now. We spoke to the operations manager of one such company yesterday. Here's what he had to say about the flood they are seeing. Two, three weeks ago, across the board, we were collecting about 25, 30,000 COVID tests per day. Today, we actually just finished our day with over 120,000 samples collected across the nation. Um, we're seeing sample increases of about 300% in Florida, uh, Texas seeing about 400%, Southern California seeing about 350% increases um, from last week alone. So definitely seeing a, a big increase in sample volume. So what we're seeing here, Katie, is definitely a, a sort of structural failure, right? If you have people lining up right now, that is market demand, right, without the adequate supply to meet it. The free market, the invisible hand, is not going to take care of this. One public health expert said to me that this should really be compared to the kind of preparations that one makes in a military setting, right? We spend a lot of money on the military here in this country, in part because we keep emergency stuff at the ready. We fill hangars with equipment that we may hopefully never use in our lifetime and have people maintaining that and having it ready at all times. It's that sort of thing that we're looking at. Remember that 20 million uh, person a day benchmark that we're talking about? That would cost, the estimate is, about $20 million a day. The market does not want to pay for that unless people are going to pay them back. Right now, what we're talking here about is really the need to have an ongoing capacity, not just for this crisis we're in right now, but for the next variant, because not all Americans are getting vaccinated, we're going to keep seeing variants. We're going to need that kind of capacity, and it's clear that it's not going to be possible to make money off it in the way that would keep it in supply the way we're used to, Katie. You know, you rarely see that point of view coming on TV, and I, I was shocked. I mean, uh, I had to do, I, I was just basically blogging, and when he said it's the market, that's when my ears kind of peaked up, and I started to listen to what he had to say. People, you cannot have a, a for-profit health health delivery system if you want to keep people healthy. You cannot have a for-profit health delivery system if you want to mitigate pandemics. It's impossible. And if you want, if you want a clear example, in America we are so used to something goes wrong, we pop a pill. Something goes wrong, we go jump to a doctor, and you know if you can pay for it, you pop a pill, all that good stuff. You know, I can name you countries right now that they have no vaccine, but the people are not dying in those countries like here, right? And the reason why is most of them, they have some side of socialized medicine. Everybody follows the rules, etc. I can even start from my country, even though we've had our deaths from SIDA, which is AIDS. I mean, it's not SIDA. Uh, what are we talking about? Uh, the, the COVID, it has not reached the rates that we've seen in other places, Right? 
Again, if you take a look at some of the places, if, if you want a direct correlation with health, take a look at for-profit health and you see what we're talking about. Tom C. says, a general consensus now testing for asymptomatic cases is no longer needed. According to the NFL, this policy could cause a wider spread of virus contagion resulting in more hospitalization and fatalities. You know what is interesting? Let's go under the assumption that um, American isn't um, that... Let's let's say that what what's the word that I want that contagious or that that fatal, all right. The problem is this: as we allow it to grow, as we allow it to spread, what occurs is it stands the risk of yet another mutation, and that mutation could make it lethal. Now, uh, I recall something that Bruce says uh, a few a few days ago, and he said, "Smart viruses don't kill their recipients," which is true, right? A smart virus wants to coexist so that it can live on forever, right? Its, its lineage will live on forever, so it simply becomes a parasite to the body that it's living in. You know, there are a lot of those living in our bodies right now. But the thing about it is these, these devices, these things are not intrinsically smart. And I don't, know, uh, I don't know how, you know, I don't have a good theory of evolution that I've studied, so I can't really, I'm not, no expert on that. But my theory is that these things mutate based on randomness. That's just my hunch because I don't know that there's some incidental intelligence there other than, well, if, if something get acidic, you want to somehow make yourself more less susceptible to acid, acid and you may create a, some kind of scar. I'm, I'm talking, you know, off the top of my head, of course. But so that. Rapid test costs 2 to $5 per depending on brand and location. If we need to have 20 million COVID tests per day, that means 40 to $100 million a day with our for-profit healthcare system doesn't want to pay. Yeah. But you know what is sad? At the scales that we need these tests, two to $5 a day is not even true. I mean, right now we have places in, uh, in the Scandinavian countries and European countries that a dollar or two, you pop a dollar or two to get yourself a test. And that is, where it, that, that is where it should be. And the truth of the matter is you shouldn't even have to pay for that, right? And the reason why, and this is not about freeloading or anything like that. This is about maintaining society. And, and that's, that's what a lot of folks don't, you know, uh, every time somebody goes out and drive on a road, they don't pay, any, they don't pay to use the road. Now, a lot, of the, a lot of conservatives and Republicans would like to make all roads toll roads and say, you know, the more you use the road, the more you pay. Well, I may not use a lot of the roads, but I may use a lot of the sidewalks. I may not use a lot of the sidewalks, but I may do a lot of swimming. I may not use that. I may use a lot of the river. So that is the reason why we say we just throw it in all one pot, call it the commons, and we all support the commons. Yeah, I know, Bruce, China can make them cheaper. And that's what people don't understand. When we talk about the commons, we talk about the potential usage of all these things that is there for you to use whenever you want to use it, and there are times you may never use it, but we all pay for it. Likewise, you know, I, I, my daughter is out of high school for a long time. I'm still paying several thousand dollars a year in school taxes. Do I care? Not really, because I know it's for the commons. Tom C. says rapid COVID tests in Michigan cost $10 each at CVS and other pharmacies. My wife just paid, I think, $25 for a kit for two. So I guess that is in the same vicinity with you, Tom. Um, para ver, para ver, para ver qué más estoy aquí. Bruce, what else are you saying? Okay. 
Um, oh, there's another one that came in. Berta Akimova, another spam bot with a computer that needs an antivirus check. Last one, gonna start ignoring these from now on. Actually, I never, I never click on those that they, they have these. It's amazing. They have three digits, dot three digits. They're trying to get folks to go to some website or whatever. Um, that is the reasons why I think many people don't allow um, hyperlinks in their feeds. But if I don't allow hyperlinks in my feed, the good information that you guys put out there, the most I can do is block them. But you see those names change so often. They have a bot that create name after name after name after name. So it's a defeating purpose. You just have to look at it and ignore it. They see you ignore it enough, they know that you're not a healthy place to post their spam. Anyhow, um, I have another video to show, but at 53, I don't think it's wise to do it because it requires a lot more explanation. So I'm gonna wait for you guys to send me a couple more messages before I go any further. Squido says the right aid in town decreed that I am fully vaccinated. So you're fully vaccinated. And Ashley says, happy holidays, everybody. Uh, she wants to tell you happy holidays. You know what? I will. I I, I got to constantly give my 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 baby here a, a little plug for you guys to go sign up at her medium, and I'm looking for it right now. So I want you guys, all my friends, my acquaintances, my posse, to give uh to go and and like not like not the word isn't like in medium. I you know there are so many different social media platforms. There's a like, there's thumbs up, there's follow. So what I'd like you guys to do is go follow my daughter's stuff on. Medium, para ver dónde está, no lo puedo encontrar. I'm looking for it. Now, there, there it goes. I'm going to stick that in the feed, guys. Go check it out. Uh, she's a she's a hell of a writer. Oh, somebody put it in there already, Michael Rudnan. <laughs> I tell you, I got the best posse. Thank you, Rudnan. Thank you, brother. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Deb Denny says, Merry Christmas, everybody. Merry Christmas to you too, Deb. Um, you know, if I had my guitar here in, in D.C., you know, I left it in Houston. I would sing you guys Silent Night. But, you know, Nanette Birdsmith says, really enjoying her medium content. Love. Hashtag Ashley Strong. Thank you very much, Nanette. I know she enjoys that you guys enjoy reading her story. Tom C., if you have insurance, COVID or no COVID, hefty deductibles will continue to discourage individuals from seeking care when ill exactly that is why we need to make that change that is why we need to make that change all right folks what else put some more words in there because I, i'm not going to play the other video so we are going to kill these next two or three minutes with whatever you tell me so shoot on come on let me hear you guys let me hear what you guys have to say catch you next week Rudnan, because i don't have anything to say Rudnan is going to take off hey brother thank you for what you bring you make the show worth the show uh para ver quien más está aquí uh, let's see. Let's see. Tom says a general consensus now. Testing for asymptomatic. No, that's that one I read already. Uh, and I'm running. I'm running out of real estate on this particular computer. I'm running out of real estate. ABQ says, Nah, man. I'm always bouncing at around 4:55 these days. Oh, so you 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 short us by five minutes, Rednan. You know we still love you, right? Ashley Willie says, I love the eyeballs and support. Merry Christmas and happy Kwanzaa. Muchas gracias, corazoncita. Yes, yes, folks. Okay, I can take three more messages. I want to see if three more messages are going to come in. I'm here. I'm looking. Those of you that are on podcast, Guido says, have a wonderful Christmas. 
All right, let's see how many more is going to come in. How many more? For you guys that are listening belatedly on podcasts, I want to wish you a very, very, I'm, I'm going to be correct here. Happy holidays for those people who do holidays. Merry Christmas for those who celebrate Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa for those who celebrate Kwanzaa. Uh, I think Hanukkah is passed, but happy Hanukkah. Uh, June Litter says happy Christmas. <laughs> June, I like that June. June. And June, thank you for your support, my dear beautiful lady. Uh, but I like the way you say that. Happy Christmas. You know, uh, I used to get a hard time because instead of saying Merry Christmas, I'd always say Happy Christmas and a Merry New Year. Tom C. says, the pandemic seems to be like the chess game between humans and germs. The patient coronavirus keeps creating variants intent on pushing us into a corner for an inexorable checkmate. Hope I'm wrong. Man, Tom... Do you know how macabre that statement sounds, brother? Oh my God, don't say that. I hope you're wrong. Like crazy, I hope you're wrong. That would be a bad thing. It's like, you know, it's like when, when, when somebody's, you know, you're, you're playing with an animal that you know ultimately you're going to kill, right? Not me, I don't kill animals. But you know those that are, that are messing with animals, they know they're going to kill and they just play with it, play with it, play with it and just give the animal a hard time. But we all know what the outcome is going to be. Not good, not good, not good. Anyhow, folks, uh, let's see. YouTube, we still filled up on YouTube, still on, on, on Facebook. Come on, is anybody else going to give me a message before I give my good closing statement? All right. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. My closing statement. Look, guys, let me just tell you. You guys gave me a wonderful year. Actually, this is supposed to be my New Year's speech. I'm, I'm going to leave that part for the New Year's speech. I'm going to just give you the holiday speech. Thank you all so much. Sweeto going to come and say ham for Christmas tomorrow. I think, I think my wife making salmon for Christmas, but I don't know. I like my turkey, but you know, I don't count. But anyway, let's, let, let, let's get busy. I want to thank you guys for, for a great, great year. Politics done right couldn't be... We couldn't do politics done right uh, without you. And I'll have a lot more to say uh, for New Year's. I'll probably make a video because I probably want to be more concise than just winging it. Uh, I couldn't have done this without y'all. Y'all took me through a whole lot of stuff that occurred this year. And you know what? It was all worth it. Maywood says, Ashley Willis, ah, that's how you spell it. <laughs> you didn't know how to spell it, dude? Come on. Anyway. So I appreciate all the support you guys have given. I appreciate all the um, all the sharing, etc. I, I, I Norman, thank you so kindly, brother. I see you you popped up a, a few uh, things down. Tú sabes que tú eres mi hermano, mi hermano como de siempre. Roberto Luis, tú también sabes que eres mi hermano, hermano de siempre. Tom C, Tom C, great supporter, always there. Squido, I love your empathy. You're awesome. Thank you, brother. But I tell you, you guys want to make my day. Let's start having Ask Egberto Anything on Saturdays. It's going to be on the 8th this Saturday. More of you come. I want to see your faces. I want to kind of jump at it so we can really have that kind of fun. You know what I mean? I mean, also, um, after being in Allison's group for a while, she has a great group, um, The Woke. And I've been watching how spaces work. I may go ahead and um, create a space as well. Alicia, welcome aboard. Adios. 
So anyhow, it's that time, 5 o'clock, and I got to go. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right, and you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Out! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.